Hi, welcome to season one of Over Opinionated Asset. I'm your host, Kate Austin. Thanks for listening. I'm super glad you're here. As a person who grew up being silenced and disregarded by those around me, I usually have a few things that I need to get off my chest, and I thought this podcast was the perfect place to do that. If you're getting increasingly fed up with the state of the world, then sit down, buckle in, and stay tuned. I have an opinion, and you're going to want to hear it. Hi everyone, welcome to the first debut episode of Over Opinionated Asset, my brand new podcast where I discuss today's topics and break down, you know, pretty much anything really that I find on the internet and I give my view. It may not always be a popular opinion, but I'm going to give it anyway. I'm a loudmouth Australian and that's what we do. Today I wanted to let you all know a little bit about myself and also talk about the recent attack on the Capitol building in Washington. I have a few opinions about it and I think a lot of people agree with me. So I think that's what we'll talk about today. Um, a little bit about myself, I'm 28, I'm from Australia. Oh, my name's Cade, by the way. I <laughs> probably should have started with that. Um, my name's Cade Austin. Um, I'm 28, I'm studying law at JCU. Um, I'm deferred at the moment. But uh, I want to study law so I can get into a better position to help people like uh, victims of domestic and family abuse, sexual abuse, rape victims, that sort of thing. I want to be an advocate for people who otherwise probably wouldn't have a voice. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done in that area and I feel that industry needs more people who are committed to what they are defending, not just, I know this sounds really bad, but not just um, in it for a paycheck. Because it is quite a lucrative industry, but again, the wrong motives can really adversely affect someone's life. So I believe with the right qualifications, um, my life experience would put me in a good position to help people. Um, I'm a business owner. I own my own photography and video um, company. Uh, I specialize in weddings, but I do all sorts. Uh, I also do web design for other business owners, uh, getting their websites up and running and their SEO and everything else like that. Um, I'm trying to become a content creator full time, um, you know, getting that, getting that TikTok following up. <laughs> um, hopefully one day I'd get into acting and music as well, but who knows, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm writing a book at the moment, have been for a little while now, but uh, I'll release more details about that later because it is still very, very new. Um, and one thing about me that uh, a lot of people have told me and that I do recognize within myself is that I'm very passionate about what I believe in. I've been told in the past that I'm an angry person, which I swear I'm not. I just get heated about topics I feel should be discussed and dealt with. You know, like pedophilia and child sex trafficking, uh, Trump on his own, <laughs> the the toxic nature of social media, um, gay and trans issues, um, or all all LGBTQI plus issues. You know, like um, my opinions on family are pretty strong. I did grow up uh, in a very, I'll say, neglectful environment, and. Yeah, no, it, it was quite abusive as well. Um, I'm 28 years old and I'm still dealing with all of that through therapy. Um, and family is actually the trigger that sent my mental health into a tailspin just a few weeks ago, which has resulted in me thinking it's probably best that I self-admit to a mental health facility in a few weeks. Um, I've already got the ball started on that. Um, I feel it's something that everyone should be proactive with even if you don't have massive trauma or anything I still think that everyone should see a therapist once and again like you don't feel it building up until it's just about to explode and once you start feeling it build up it's too late at that point the smallest thing can set you off 
with me, um, if you've listened to the special preview episode of this podcast, you would have noticed that I was quite emotional um, about my mother. Well, she, I'll, I'll break it down again. Um, she made accusations against my Uncle Raymond that he molested me and touched me as a child, which the molesting and touching as a child did happen, but it did not happen by Uncle Ray. And the fact that all those memories were brought up again, the dreams started again, a whole lot of self-hatred came flooding back in. And then on top of that, I've, I've got to think about, okay, look, logically I know that it's not my fault that she's going around spreading false rumors especially of such a disgusting and horrible nature that that sort of accusation can ruin someone's life. But I can't help but feel slightly responsible for it. I mean, she is my mother and I'm the one she's talking about, but I know logically it's not my fault. But when you're brought back into the mental state that you're brought back into with a situation like this, it's not very easy. It's not very easy to push the blame anywhere else but inward. And to have that on top of all of the pressure of getting this podcast ready, um, writing my book, work, um, like right before I had, I'm, I'm going to call it my snap because it, it was a snap. I, I completely snapped. I I broke up with my husband. Um, I told him I wanted a divorce. Everything like I I threw crap around my office. Like I snapped. I went into a full on rage for about four hours, and it scared me. Let alone anyone around me. And there was no one around me physically. Gladly, I was home alone. And the message the the breakup with my husband was through a messenger which, how disgusting is that? Obviously, obviously we're, we're actually still together and he recognized that I was going into quite a big spiral, like one of the biggest spirals I've gone into in a few years, actually. And he knew what the trigger was and he, he was expecting it. Um, it was still a little shocking for him, unfortunately. Tom didn't know what to do and obviously gave me a little space to sort my stuff out. But as I came out of it, I realized just how badly I'd let my mental health go. Um, I haven't taken um, anti-anxiety or anti-depression meds for well over two years. I thought I'd had a good handle on that. Um, but the truth is that that's just not the case. My mental health had been deteriorated. Deteriorated. Fuck my speech. My mental health had been deteriorating for quite a while. And yeah, my mother making those accusations was just the tip of the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. I don't know any other analogy at the moment, really. It, it was a lot. It, it, it was a lot. It was too much. For me, and I, I brushed it off and I pushed it to the side because it was just like, oh, more of mum's crap. Like I haven't spoken to the woman in near on two years. Like I've, I've made the decision that if I need, if I'm going to get myself into not, not a position, if I'm going to become the man that I want to be, the father I want to be, the husband I want to be, then. There's a lot of things that I needed to let go of and then see realistically and then process my trauma from because it's not healthy to hold all of that stuff inside and let it build to the point of explosion. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for anyone around you and it will eat you to pieces. There's... There's no escaping it. You may think that you are strong enough, but so did I. Up until a few weeks ago, I thought I was fine. I thought I 
had gotten a handle on things. Like my partner and I, um, Tom and I had had quite a few relationship troubles um, throughout our relationship. And in the last two years, we'd gotten really good. Like a lot of the key problems in our relationship were sorted out and we're getting better, you know, like much better. We're, we're talking about buying a house. We're talking about like moving away from where we live and starting a new life and everything else like that. Like it, it's very, it's very stable in reality, but I actually forgot where I was going with this. I'm so sorry. But anyway, my mental health was, that's it. I thought that I had a handle on everything. Um, things were going great with my partner. Things were going great with work. Like I saw the extra work and I saw the extra time spent with my husband and I saw the extra money coming in and the more creative ideas I had as a positive. But what I didn't see underneath all of that was my mental health slowly slipping away from me. And in a small four hour period, it completely broke. And I mean completely broke. I turned into a complete and utter psychopath. There's no other word for it. And because of that, I felt that I needed to be proactive and I've organized a stay of self-admission to a private mental health facility. Um, I'll be spending three weeks there. Uh, that won't interrupt the podcast episodes. Don't worry, I'll be pre-recording the three that are scheduled for upload um, across those three weeks. And I'll also be keeping you guys updated through my TikTok and other social media because I, I am allowed to access the internet in there. But I'll be undergoing quite intensive treatment. So I think, as I said before, everybody, no matter what level of trauma you have, even if you don't think you have any, should at some point in their life talk to a therapist. There's there's no escaping there's no escaping the inner monologue that can wear you down and break apart your very will. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing you have in your arsenal that can actually stop that if it gets to that point. So make sure that you're taking the appropriate steps to take care of your mental health and, well, and your physical health to be more precise, but make sure that you're taking care of your mental health and make sure that if something's wrong, that you talk to somebody about it. And it doesn't have to be a therapist straight away. Talk to your friends or your family or a loved one. Make sure that make sure that you're letting yourself check in because at the end of the day, yes, what you do does affect other people and your mental breakdown could very well affect other people. I know mine did, but you need to know that it is hell to go through and it's it's something that once it breaks it it doesn't mend overnight it takes years to repair and it's not it's not an easy process like i said i thought i had a handle on it and i was wrong and even that small amount of progress that i'd made over the last couple of years was it was tremendous and I now realize that I have so much more work to do and there's, like I said, there's nothing in my arsenal that could have held that back for any decent amount of time. There was going to be a breaking point and there was. So in the next few weeks, I will be self-admitting and I'll be going undergoing intensive um, therapy and hopefully at the end of it, I'll end up with some better skills and a better understanding of where I am sitting mentally and yeah hopefully at some point in the future I can actually turn around and say that I am genuinely happy um no you know what I, I can say that now I am genuinely happy because you can be happy and also not be okay in the head at the same time I, I want to make that clear as well it's not just 
it's not just a black and white thing where you're either happy or you're sad or you're angry or you can be all of those at once. We are, we are human beings. We are intensely complex creatures and our brains, our brains are both our best friend and our worst enemy. And if you don't know how to work with your brain, you're fucked. You, you, you're just flat out fucked <laughs> and take it from someone who's had not one, but two massive mental breakdowns in their life. Okay. Um, and I say massive as in like massive, massive. Okay. I I've done, um, I've done suicide attempts before. Um, I'll be upfront about that. It's not something I'm proud of. And it's something I, I am genuinely glad that I failed at because there's so much in my life at the moment that I'm grateful for that I wouldn't have if I had have succeeded. And if I had have gone through, well, not gone through, if I had have succeeded with my attempts, then I wouldn't have a husband. I wouldn't have a career. I wouldn't have a close knit circle of friends that I would consider family. I don't know if, I don't know if my experience can really help anybody, but on the off chance that there's one person who listens and thinks I'm not alone and they put down the bottle of pills or the razor blade and they, they realize that other people go through this too, then I feel like I would have done something. And that, that makes me feel a little good about myself. Not going to lie. And that's, Part of the reason why I want to do this podcast is because there is there is there's a lot of wrong and right going along uh, going on in the world, and sometimes, and more often than not, especially lately, I mean, just take a look at the capital attack. There are there are so many misinformed and angry, bigoted people who are just so loud on the internet that that narrative is all that is heard. No one wants to hear the realism, which is what I want to do with this podcast. I am, I'm, I am left-leaning, I, politically. Uh, I'm left-leaning uh, politically and morally. Um, I believe in doing what's right. I believe in not just focusing on myself. Um, I I once was a very big believer in putting myself first and basically fuck everyone else. But how do you live with yourself if you're that type of person? How do you how do you make an informed decision on anything, whether it's an opinion on an event or a person or a social issue or something like that, if you can't look at both sides and form an opinion on your own? What does it say about you if you just see a few things because a few things from one side because they happen to be louder first and you just form an opinion around that? What happened to doing your own research? What happened to looking into things further? I mean, yeah, sure, it, it's going around a lot uh, on the internet at the moment that the capital attack was terrorism. And you know what? I agree with it. And it's not just because, oh, I saw that and, oh, yeah, that's, what's ever, that's what everyone else is saying, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. No, I looked into this. I didn't fully understand, you know, the meaning of the Capitol building and everything else like that. And I still don't. I still don't. But I do understand that it is a huge symbol of democracy. And a thing about the American democracy is that when you vote and an, elec and an election is called and the results come in, you accept those results. You don't stand up on a podium and tell millions of people to march on a building that is a sacred symbol, because it is. It's a sacred symbol to a lot of American people. And for some reason, for some reason, there are people out there who believe that it was justified, that this election really was stolen. No, it wasn't. Okay, you did you did your recounts. You you called so so many rallies. Okay, like you lost, plain and simple, you lost. And it's about time that you realize that there's no 
there's no logic to what is going on in America right now, okay? And I want to break down this capital attack. That's what I wanted to do in this episode is talk about this because hands down, plain and simple, it is fucking terrorism, okay? You tried to force your way into a government building. And I I can't even, you know what, I'm going to, I still don't know why it happened. Like, what was their actual goal? Um, capital attack. What was the goal of the capital attack? Um, United States, Stormy. In an attempt to overturn his defeat. So they literally, okay. So yes, look, there you go. The goal itself, the very goal itself of this storming of the Capitol was to overturn Trump's defeat in the 2020 presidential election. That right there is going against democracy. And you're doing it on your, on your country's own soil at the front of a federal government building. Guys, you're terrorists. You're fucking terrorists. Okay, you're unhappy because your cult leader decided, oh, no, everybody go march on this capital because, you know, I don't like the fact that I didn't win. I don't like the fact that I've been screaming for two whole goddamn months about, oh, it was stolen from me, it was stolen from me, and nothing's been happening. I've let my lawyers do all the work they can, and Supreme Justices have turned around and said, nope. Like, buddy... You lost the election. You got in on a whim. Okay? And look, I understand. I understand that he has a lot, uh, his stance on a lot of issues and everything else like that. Uh, a lot of people thought at the beginning that, oh, he, he says what needs to be said. He says what needs to be, no, he doesn't. He says what needs to be said in order to build a following. Okay? And that's what happened from day dot. Okay? That's the reason why so many Americans were absolutely horrified that Donald Trump became their president. Because they realized from day one that this was the start of an en masse cult. Not just like a cult of, you know, like 40 people with a suicide pact. No, an actual en masse cult. Millions of people, and not just people in America, all right, but people all over the world. There are people in my country who decided to to do rallies here in my country on the same fucking day. What? I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. But anyway, let's start breaking this down. First of all, how the hell did this thing even get any wind in the first place? How did these social media platforms, because it was, it was organized on social media, okay? How did these social media platforms allow this to happen? All right, and I, I get it. There's uh, an an amendment right or something like that. I, I'm I'm not American. I don't know your pol your politics your politics and your laws to a perfect extent, but I don't understand how Twitter, Parler, all all of the other ones that these maniacs. We're all over the internet. Like, I understand that they have a right to organize protests and all the rest of it. Like, yes, that is the American right. But it was literally out in broad daylight on public forums, on public tweets, you know, on public posts on Parler. It was put out there that we are going to overturn this election. Not let's do a protest, rah, rah, rah. They know that protesting peacefully is not going to do anything. They planned to storm the Capitol, to get in there and actually change the results. Like, that's actually going to be able to happen. That's not a possibility. Okay, it's not a possibility. It, it was confirmed. I'm sorry. All right? But how is it? How, how is it? I, I just don't understand how these social media platforms will ban you for saying, like, the word bitch or cunt or... Even the word white now, what the hell is that? Like, that's a whole other issue. How is the term white offensive in any way, shape, or form? Like, stop looking for ways to be oppressed, please. It's kind of disgusting and embarrassing, okay? But 
anyway, look, look, let's let's break down the timeline of what happened on that day, okay? Now, I'm going to read out the times in Eastern Standard Time, all right? Um, so, Trump tells thousands of supporters that he'll never concede at midday, all right? He'll never concede the 2020 presidential election, which he lost. <laughs> and in a televised, like televised national speech, he urges them to walk to the Capitol building. Like urges his followers to walk to the Capitol building. All right, you know? Um, and it's ridiculous because he he's literally sitting there this is what I'm talking about with the, the cult personality thing. Okay. And I need to just make this point real quick because, um, it's, he's a cult leader, but he has a cult of personality, right? Just as Hitler did, Mandela did, Obama even had one, you know, like he had a cult of personality, a, a huge, massive following, but it's, It's an example of cult of the cult of personality because it's already a thing, right? Um, Trump's just on the extremely dangerous side of it. The other side is overlooking the terrible things done for a supposedly right set of reasonings, um, aka Obama. Because while I do like Obama, he did a few fucked up things. You know, no president is going to one hundred percent down the line be able to be perfect. Like I understand that, which is a big reason why I support Biden. Um, but like both sides manifest during a huge change. And what's happening right now is we're in a social upheaval, like society as a whole is changing. And that's another thing I'll be talking about on another episode. Um, it's just a little too much if you ask me, All right. but I've always believed like at for the last few years, that we're in a cultural paradigm shift. Due to the interconnectedness of the entire world, it seems we've already hit the, you know, the counter-reformation part of the shift, but who knows? It's, it's actually kind of cool to be witnessing historical events, but at the same time, it's actually terrifying. Like, it's actually terrifying, you know? Like, anyway. So... At uh, 12.55, so less than an hour after Trump made his little speech and told everyone to walk on the Capitol, um, his own vice president released a statement in which he says he believes he does not have the authority to decide which electoral college votes are accepted or rejected, meaning that his own vice president, a member of his own staff, is telling his followers, hey, we don't have authority to do this. Like, that's up to a, a, another body of people. Like, we don't have authority to do that. That's why we're, you know, calling for recounts and all the rest of it, because our little pathetic attempts are all that we can do. It, like, yeah. Anyway, five minutes later, no, not even five, yeah, five minutes later, um, the legislators gather for a joint congressional session, uh, session to certify President-elect Joe Biden's elect, election victory. Um, and then 10 minutes later, um, Trump supporters begin to gather outside the Capitol. Some clash with the police who are guarding the building. All right. So 10 minutes after the legislators gather for a joint congressional session, Trump supporters are already there outside. All right. So they barely had 10 minutes of peace. Okay. And then, uh, nine minutes later, um, so at, uh, one nineteen. So just before twenty past one in the afternoon, apparently Trump arrived back at the White House from his um press conference, or whatever you want to fucking call it. And then twenty minutes later, amid clashes with the police, some Trump supporters break through the metal fences and attempt to enter the Capitol building. Okay, so that's what less than two hours after he made his speech. People already broke through barriers and tried to get into um, the building, essentially. And around the same time, the Senate and House convened separately to debate objections to the Electoral College votes in the um, state of Arizona. Um, 
And then half an hour later, Capitol Police send alert to congressional staff that no entry or exit is allowed at Capitol buildings amid an external security threat, which would have been the massive uh, gang of people who would essentially be called a mob of terrorists were thronging the outside and attempting to enter the building. Um, at 2.30 in the afternoon, legislators are forced to abandon the congressional sessions as the Capitol is locked down. And that's about the time when the news really picked everything up. At least that's the first I heard about it on Twitter. Um, and I have, since the election anyway, I have a lot of America's um, politics and everything like I subscribe to certain Twitter feeds, you know. Um, uh, one minute later, Washington, D.C. Mayor um, Muriel Bowser orders a 6 p.m. curfew um, on that day um, as clashes, confusion, um, and everything else continues at the Capitol. At 2.35, protesters march through Statutory Hall. Um, oh, Statutory Hall. Sorry. Uh, police use tear gas in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, three minutes after that, Trump tweets to his supporters to remain peaceful. Yeah, right, mate, because that's really your intention for this. You literally told them, I've watched that video. You know what your following is like. You know that you can turn around and say something seemingly innocent and it is going to rile them up because you know, you know, as a businessman, all you have to do is manipulate the mass. And you've done that. You did that on that day. You manipulated your following into turning violent because you've been, you've been rallying against your own country's democracy for two months straight. For two whole months straight. Okay? It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I'm so glad that he got impeached today. I am so glad that he got impeached. Anyway, um, so at 3.16, Ashley Babbitt is shot inside the Capitol building. Um, that was the woman who had the Trump mask, uh, Trump banner around her neck who was shot in the face. Um, that video was all over the internet. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you do not watch it because it, it is very graphic. But... Um, Ashley Babbitt is one of the five people who died. Um, I'll be naming those later because I do believe that all five of them, regardless of their intention and their position in the matter, no one deserved to die that day. And it also lays another point I'd like to push across today, and we'll get to that. Um, four minutes later at 3.20, um, writer Q Shaman is photographed on the Senate floor. Um, Oh, that's Man Bear Pig, right. <laughs> that, that was a pretty funny tweet, actually. Um, and at 3.43, the White House and the Governor of Virginia say the National Guard is being deployed to the U.S. Capitol. At 4.16 in Delaware, President-elect Joe Biden calls on Trump to immediately deliver a speech to demand an end to the siege at the U.S. Capitol. Um, and then, not 10 minutes later, in a Twitter, a Twitter video, Trump tells supporters he loves them repeats false claims that he won't uh, that he won the election before urging them to go home in peace. This is what I'm talking about. Like yes, it's it's very seemingly innocent to turn around and say I love you for supporting me, but please go home in peace. No, you know that saying that I love you. Like just listen to any of his speeches. There's pauses, there's very 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 intelligently placed pauses that let the effect of what he just said sink in to the right people. Uh, well, sorry, the wrong people, but in his eyes, they're the right people. It's, it's a fucking cult. I'm sorry, but it is. It's a fucking cult, and anyone who thinks that it's not is just, you're blind. Okay? And no, I'm not a conspiracy theory nut. I just have my eyes open. I watch. I listen. He's a fucking cult leader. Anyway. At 5.08, the crowd does begin to disperse around Capitol Hill as the 6 p.m. curfew nears. Um, it's funny that the curfew was, a curfew was enough to get these people to stop, but, you know, federal prison wasn't. This is what I don't understand. Uh, 
Americans. Not all of you, just these ones. At 5.39, the National Guard and FBI agents secure the Capitol building ahead of the 6 p.m. curfew. So they did get in about 20 minutes before the curfew falls in place. They took back control of the building. At 15 past six, let's get back to work, says President, uh, President, Vice President Pence, as he resumes the joint session of Congress, calling Wednesday a dark day in the history of the U.S. Capitol. It's a dark day in the history of the U.S. It's a dark day in the history of any country that's aligned with you because that happened on the world stage. The entire world watched that unfold. You are... I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, in Australia, we're, we're, we are... We're, we're a military ally and a political ally to the US. We house their soldiers on um, training missions. We, we, our economy is directly affected by the American economy. Like anything bad that happens to America ripples down to us. And because we're such a smaller country, like our population is literally a fraction, a, a small, in, tiny, little, minute fraction of the US. We feel it on such a large scale. And you honestly, you look ridiculous. And anyone who stands up and says, we support the US at the moment is going to look like an even bigger dickhead. Like, I cannot wait. We are, what, seven days, we are one week away from Joe Biden officially taking the presidency. And I, it can't come fast enough. It really can't come fast enough. This entire this entire four years has been hell. And I'm not even American. I'm not American. I don't live there. I'm not a citizen. I'm not... Uh, what's the other one? Citizen. Citizen. You're either a citizen or... What the fuck is the other one? I'm a citizen of Australia, which means that I live here. But I'm also... No, I'm a resident of Australia, which means I live here. And I'm a... Okay. I'm not. A, I'm neither a resident nor a citizen of America, and I still are just fed up with Donald Trump. I was fed up with the stupid orange fuck when he was on reality TV, and I'm fed the fuck up with him now. Okay, he is a toxic blight on humanity, and the blood of the five people that died is on his hands. Okay, um... Oh, the last part of the timeline, sorry. Um, at 3.40 in the morning, the next day, Congress completes the count of electoral college votes and confirms Joe Biden as the winner of the 2020 election. Um, not that any of us with a brain would actually be surprised by that. Anyway, I feel like we need to talk about the people who died as well. All right, there were five people who died, and I want to make it clear. No one deserved to die that day. No one. Not Ashley Babbitt for, like, trying to force her way past an armed guard, you know. Um, not Brian Sicknick. Uh, he was a Capitol Police um, officer. Um, he died the day after all of this happened because um, he was overpowered and beaten by rioters and ended up, uh, ended up having to physically engage with them, which obviously would have just made things worse. And he was struck in the head with a fire extinguisher. Um, Brian collapsed in front of his uh, co-workers. Like, he returned back to his division office and just collapsed. And then he was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his industry, uh, in injuries. Like, all he... No one expects to die when they go to work. You know, when you, when you go to work in the morning, you don't expect that you're not going to come home. And like he, that's all he was doing. He was just doing his job. He was just doing his job and ended up having to die for it. Where's the fairness in that? I mean, all, all reports say that, you know, he was truly a lovely, humble soul. 
he had a great worth work ethic and you know he was devoted to what he did which was you know capital police like he he loved what he did um and he also had two dash hounds which he loved and spoiled as well i mean like this was a man with a family and a life and because absolute children with no understanding of reality couldn't accept a democratic process in which their little fucking, you know, orange daddy decided uh, just because he lost, they decided to throw a tantrum because that's what this is. This was, this was an adult tantrum on an epic scale and it resulted in five deaths. And I'm sorry. Yes, obviously the people who caused those deaths are in fact responsible, but I'm, I'm sorry. In my opinion, the buck stops with Trump. The blood of these five people are on his hands and there's no other way around it. I'm sorry. There's not. If he hadn't have done the damage he's done over the last four years and in the last two months specifically, he, if he hadn't have riled up so many of his followers, this wouldn't have happened. Okay. If he hadn't, have spent the last four years doing everything he could to incite. Ah, like it honestly leaves me speechless. Like this, this man is the, is the country's leader. He runs a country like this isn't, you know, a company that you started with daddy's money, Donnie. This is millions of people's fucking lives. And five of those lives ended that day. That blood is on your hands. Okay? Ashley Babbitt, um, the Air Force veteran from Southern California. She was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer. She clambered through a broken window. You know, like she tried to climb through the window. Um, uh, I think that window was leading into the speaker's lobby inside the Capitol, I think. I don't know. Um, but anyway, she was she was tr trying to get further into the building, basically. And she was shot in either the face or the neck. And she ended up dying. Right. Then you've got um, you've got Brian as well. Right. And then you've got Kevin Greeson. Um, he's 55. Um, he was just standing in a throng of fellow Trump loyalists. Like, he was a Trump supporter. But um, as his wife, Christy, has said, um, he had high blood pressure and um, also didn't really believe in the violence or what was actually going on. Um, with the storming of the Capitol or anything else like that. But he did see the January 6th rally as a monumental event. He'd been very avid on social media and was a huge part of why all of this started, but he didn't deserve to die. None of these five people deserve to die, and it's disgusting that Trump is sitting there watching these reports come in and then gets on Twitter and goes, I love you, followers. Listen, you fucking troglodyte i oh, you have no idea how glad i was the day i woke up and found out that not only twitter but every other fucking social media platform decided that this orange bastard wasn't worth being online anymore they said fuck you i'm out and i am so happy honestly as i was saying before about my mental health it's not been great recently but when i was sorry about that i am unsure what happened i believe my recording just stopped Anyway, let me continue from Kevin. Um, Kevin Greeson, he is 55. Um, so he was just standing with a heap of fellow Trump loyalists. Um, he was pretty avid on social media and called the rally a monumental event. Um, and yes, he was part of the people who, you know, got, got this to where it was. You know, it, it got to a place that was... It got to a place where it never really should have gotten to in the first place. I, it, if you're going to protest, then protest. Don't turn into a mob, okay? But as I've been saying, none of these five people deserve to die. No matter what their part in this was, this resulted in death. Okay, loss of human life. Okay, why does it take the loss of human life for people to sit up and pay attention to issues like this? I mean, you know, Brian, Ashley, Kevin, 
Um, then we've got Roseanne Boyland, 34 years old. Uh, she lived in Kennesaw. She posted about um, President Trump and, and her support of her and followed the baseless conspiracy theories of QAnon and also latched onto Trump's false claims that he'd won the election. But she didn't deserve to die either. Um, she, uh, actually, it's unclear how um, Roseanne died. Um, one report says that she was trampled inside the Capitol building. Um, another report said that she collapsed while standing in the Capitol rotunda. You know, like, this is what I mean. Like, these people died senselessly, and half of the time when things like this happen, you don't even know why or what happened. Like, Roseanne's family's never going to know really what happened because there's so many different reports about it, you know? And, like, Roseanne was in recovery from drug addiction and wanted to become a substance abuse counsellor. Like, this, this, is, this is the type of stuff that I wanted to talk about, okay? Like, I, I like to see things from all sides because, like, look at that. If you just look at Roseanne Boyland as a Trump supporter who posted about her support of Trump and all the rest of it, then, yeah, you'd think she's a very bad person. But this woman battled some one of the biggest things that you could ever battle in your life, and I speak from experience. I'm a recovering addict myself, right? Six years. But that is really, really difficult stuff to overcome. And, the, and her life experience... You know, taught her that she wanted to help people who had gone through the same thing. You know, like she wanted to become a substance abuse counselor, but she also had gone down a dark tunnel of online conspiracies and fell into Trump's web of fucking lies. You know, like it's it's really sad that this sort of thing affects all forms of people, right? Your political beliefs don't make up who you are. Some of these people are, in fact, actually good people. They're just very vehement about what they believe in, like I am. You know, like, th that doesn't make them bad people, and it doesn't mean that they deserve to die. And we've got the last um, one, Benjamin Phillips. Um, 50 years old and the founder of a tr pro-Trump website called Trumparoo. Um, apparently he was posting through, throughout a, a fair bit of it and was in high spirits as he drove his van and a few fellow Trump supporters uh, from their home state of Pennsylvania all the way to Washington. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Like, the entire country came together on this, you know, like not the entire country, but like an entire country's worth of Trump supporters came together on this and rallied against a huge symbol of their democracy and people fucking died. Yeah, I'm repeating myself. I need, I, I just want that to be drilled in. People fucking died over this. Over your, how, however old this bastard, how old is Trump? How, like, seriously, how old is this fucker? Because I keep looking at him as a 13-year-old because he acts like one. How old is he? He is 74 years old. Are you fucking kidding me? You are 74 years old. You are somebody's grandfather. And you want... Mm -hmm. No, no. Listen. All right, this is beyond a fucking joke at this point. How do you sit there and act like all of this crap is okay? Like, oh, it's... I'm just very, very glad that he's not going to be the president anymore because it's honestly disheartening to see an entire country led by, and a huge world power too, led by such childish notions. Like this is literally a tantrum on a grand scale that has incited millions of people and then thousands of them ended up at your Capitol building and five people died. That is your fault, Trump. All right, Donnie, that's your fucking fault. Anyway, we are getting a little bit um, 
long into the episode, so I want to say thank you for listening to my debut episode. Um, this podcast is really important to me, so I appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully you've made it here to the end. If so, I double appreciate you. Um, as I just said, this podcast is a little baby of mine, and I hope together we can make it grow into something pretty decent, something a little beautiful. I do have opinions on quite a lot of things, so if you want to see more of me, please follow me on all my socials. I'm KCA92 with an underscore after it on every platform, um, and I do enjoy a little TikTok and YouTube now and then. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter to get updated on when new episodes are out. Um, I do plan on releasing them once a week on the same day. Um, so Thursdays, or Fridays, Thursdays. What day is it today? It's a Thursday. Yes, Thursday. All right. <laughs> I do plan on um, releasing them every week on Thursday, but if something happens and I feel, you know, inspired to say a little thing, then I will. I'll hop on and I'll give you guys a little bonus episode. But yeah, um, I have about 15 episodes planned out for season one. There could be a few more on the list as more ideas come through. I hope to stretch each season out to about 20 episodes. Um, but yeah, if you want to be updated, just make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And to make things easier to find me, I have a flow code in my bio on Instagram which will help you find me and my podcast on all of my socials. Um, you'll also, also be able to get you know, sneak peeks into other exciting projects that I decided to give a try. Um, I do want to get into acting and music as well, as I said before, so you know, I'll be posting about that. Um, I rant a lot on my TikTok, so make sure you follow me there too. I have fun, and hopefully you will too. Um, Next week, uh, if you tune in, you'll uh, get to hear me sit down with a good friend of mine and we discuss just how toxic social media has become lately and how her direct experience online recently has made her feel unsafe and what we all can do together to put a stop to it. Um, until then, I'm Kate Austin. You've been listening to Overopinionated Asset. Oh, God, that sounds horrible in my accent. Watch me change the title back in season two. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. See you all next week.